0: Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, my friends. This week's episode is on plant medicine. Integrating Spiritual Experiences and Transformational Cycles with Raja Pouncey. Reja uses she her pronouns and she is a priestess in the tradition of Palo Kimbisa, which is an ancient practice that has its roots in the Congo Basin. She's been a practitioner for 20 years, utilizing quantum healing, crystal energetics, tarot, astrology, and her Claire abilities in her practice. She's also a certified intuitive life coach, spiritual mentor, and has a master's degree in mental health counseling. In this episode, we talk about her journey with healing and spirituality, being initiated by her dad into Palo Cambisa and becoming a priestess in this path, pushing away spiritual gifts, plant medicine as a support for trauma healing and connecting to yourself, ethics of plant medicine, deciding what plant medicine is right for you, the plant medicine Razor recommends for folks who are just beginning their plant medicine journey, choosing a practitioner to support you on that journey integration processes after any spiritual experience moving through transformation cycles of death and rebirth the energetics of fall and winter resisting the process of death healing our lineages the messiness of change and growth and how being a mother to six kids has changed her and her spiritual practice I really enjoyed this conversation with Reja. I feel like it's been a while since I've had someone on to talk so much about spirituality and spiritual practice specifically, not just like healing, trauma healing, queerness. Um, So it felt really lovely to talk with her and our conversation feels really timely. We like just recorded this and I'm putting it out almost right away. Um, as we talk about fall and winter energies and the process of death and dying and rebirth and transformation, like that all feels really, um, timely right now, really oriented towards the fall season. So yeah, I hope you enjoy our conversation. I did want to mention, um, before we get into it, that I'm hosting an erotic poetry writing class on November 30th. You can check that out at the link in the description if you feel like joining us to do some creative transmutation around sexual and pleasure shame. And you can also check out the Religious Trauma Workbook in the description, which is a 110-page digital workbook full of prompts, reflections, meditations, rituals, and somatic exercises to help you reclaim your autonomy from dogmatic religion to deprogram and heal and reclaim your authentic self, your authentic values, um, the beliefs that are true to you, after emerging from dogmatic religion and during deconstruction. Um, So that's available for you as well. Links to all those things are in the description, as well as Reja's wonderful work. And yeah, that's all I have to share. Hope you enjoy this episode. I always like to start the show by hearing about your journey so i'd love to hear anything you want to share about your journey with healing and spirituality and how you got to this point yeah um wow so
1: i guess i'll start from when i was a little girl um my earliest memory was of being really tiny in this big world with these bigger people And I just was like, I don't want to be here. I don't think that this place is safe. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I just did not feel like this was going to be this like great journey. I felt a little dreadful. Um, I remember looking at a blanket, another memory from childhood is like looking at a blanket and it had like those pilly little things from like overwashing stuff. Um, like a fuzzball. And I remember thinking if I could just be the fuzzball, <laughs> you know, be an observer of life and not have to actually engage um, was another feeling I remember very early on. Um, but yeah, so and then, you know, so that was like my first awareness, I think, of like being incarnated here was like, oh gosh, this is gonna be quite the journey. And then um, as I got older, my, I grew up going to the Hare Krishna temple with my dad and, um, on Saturdays. And then on Sundays, I would go with my grandmother to the Baptist church. Um, and me and my sister, we just thought it was funny. We, you know, we would go to the Krishna temple and we loved the meal. There's like this beautiful spread of amazing vegan food and um, you share with everybody there and everybody's chanting Hare Krishna. But then me and my sister would go to the bathroom and a woman was like peeing and chanting Hare Krishna. And we thought it was funny. Like, why would you be peeing and chanting Hare Krishna? And then, but we go to the, the, um, Baptist church and it was kind of the same where, you know, this is like a, Baptist church in the middle of Brooklyn, very small building, all these women with like big hats, matching outfits with stockings and matching shoes. And, um, and they would be catching the Holy ghost and, you know, falling out and, you know, speaking in tongues and we would just look at each other and laugh. (laughs) Um, it was the same thing. We thought it was all very comical and very like people are taking life too seriously, you know, kind of thing. Um so yeah, and then when I was um 23, uh my dad had been studying um a way of life, African way of life called Palo Kimbisa. And it originates in the Congo basin of Africa. And um there are many um iterations of this. There's Ifa, there's Candomble, there's um Santaria. Um, it, it exists in many forms and, um, all linking back to like the, um, African pantheon and, um, he initiated me at that age. And, um, then, um, I, uh, went on to become a priestess in this path, um, and then rejected it for about it. Things started happening really fast for me. Um. I a snake arrived and was coiled up on my front doorstep. Um I was at a gas station and a dove in the middle of Miami landed on my head. Um, there were things rapidly happening. I was having dreams, you know, visions, and always had this gift from when I was a child, um knowing that I was not wanting to be, you know, on this planet <laughs> and that I could be somewhere else, and knowing that distinctly. Um, but the initiation into these, um, practices really awakens what is already there or, um, allows you to remember and tap into the sacred gifts that you already have. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it was like a lot at once I freaked out and I kind of pushed it away for a few years and then, um, developed, an autoimmune disease, and had to make this journey back to whole health and healing myself. Um, you know, life kind of fell apart for me, and I went and I got a reading, an IFA reading, and spirit said, "You're not honoring your gifts." So mm-hmm. then I dove back into my gifts and um, and realigned myself with Source Spirit Universe, and. Um, And started drinking plant medicine and that was another journey and kind of stripping away the layers of trauma, of sadness, of, um, you know, um, dis-ease, not being aligned and uh, connecting to myself and the re-reawakening. Because I think through life we have so many of those Mm -hmm. awakenings and reawakenings. And, um, yeah, just creating increased self-awareness and mindfulness was big for me. And once I, uh, was able to do that, I, um, then that's when I stopped, I exited corporate America. I was a nurse and, um, left everything. I had a big house, uh, you know, drove a BMW. I left it all. Um, and just started working with my gifts, with my spiritual gifts. And um, my transformative process was so meaningful and so um, sacred to me that I wanted to support other people in that and felt that, you know, I had the capability to do that through formal training as um, having a master's in mental health counseling, but as well with my, um, spiritual practice and being a priestess and also my personal experience with having gone through so much, um, in so many different ways and levels and, um, yeah. And, and expressions. So that's kind of it in a nutshell, which is a lot.
0: <laughs> what a journey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I'm curious, you Mentioned working with plant medicine. I'm wondering if there's anything else that you want to share about how plant medicine supports you and other people in trauma healing and connecting to yourself.
1: Yeah. So, as I mentioned, I have formal training as a nurse, I have formal training as a mental health counselor, and I love talk therapy. And also, I really don't think it's effective on its own. I think having a spiritual component is valuable. And I learned this through my practice with plant medicine. Um, It's, it was a hard journey. Um, You know, it it wasn't all of this like psychedelic, beautiful colors and seeing rainbows and unicorns, right? (laughs) It was like meeting death. It was like dying and being reborn. It was like being brought to the lowest of the low and then rising again, like the Phoenix from the ashes, and I have a stellium of planets in my eighth house, which is all things esoteric, very deep Plutonian energy. So I'm into that and I love it. And I, and it really informed me. Um, it made me see myself, um, it, you know, it's, it's a practice that in a tool that um, offers you a mirror, like no other man, it really just gave me an opportunity to not run from all that I am, Mm -hmm. which, uh, brought tears. It brought, um, shame. It brought guilt. It brought, um, uh, insecurities right up to the, to the, you know, to the top. And I had to look at them and I had to deal with them and I had to, um, contend with the voices and the narratives that belonged with that shame and that guilt and those insecurities. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very humbling experience. And I still drink medicine. That's part of my um, path as a light worker. Um, I belong to the central daimi, um, path. And, um, so it's not a religion. You can be whatever you want to be and say whatever you are. And then also, belong to the Santo Daimi. And, um, and so, yeah, we, we sing songs, we drink medicine, we go deep and we come out clean. And, um, one of the biggest, um, one of my heroes is Dr. Gabor Mate, who he lives in Canada and he works with, um, in particular folks with, um, uh, who are how, you know, experiencing houselessness and um, or who are unhoused and um, experiencing addiction, folks who are experiencing um, mental health um, uh, experiences in life. And he has this great saying because he works with plant medicine, psilocybin as well as um, ayahuasca and DMT, and he says, better um, out than in. You know, cause people have asked him, well, what if somebody has a really intense experience and, you know, how do you, you know, lead them through that? And, um, and he says better out than in, because imagine that big experience was living somewhere inside of you and needed to be unlocked, um, and seen and held and given space. Um, and then, you know, there's, um, or there other organizations that train, um, Uh, therapists and psychiatrists and psychologists to work with folks who are experiencing a plant medicine awakening. And I love that because, you know, we're talking about a tool that uh, is living largely outside of an urban setting. Right. And, you know, so you have to be careful with um, bringing it into an urban setting um, because we have not, we're now on the precipice of seeing how that works. Right. Um, And then even for the folks who are going to Peru and practice having, you know, retreats with ayahuasca, we have to be really careful with spiritual bypassing. We have to be really careful with um, appropriation of culture, you know, so we're walking so many thin lines. Right. Um, And how do we bring all of that together in a way that is healing and supportive for all of us And I think the best way to do that is by um, educating ourselves and by having these organizations that offer um, journeying with folks who are trained in a modality that is of the West so that it can pair the two together and be supportive to folks. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I want to ask you more. I think like, so many questions about this. Do you have any thoughts for people who like, how do you decide what medicine is right for you? And like, also could we maybe like dig deeper into some of the ethics around that and like questions that people need to like explore and think about before they partake the experience? Yeah. I think,
1: you know, the best thing there's so many lineages to plant medicine um, and which one do you choose, right? Is it Mm -hmm. ayahuasca? Is it mushroom, psilocybin, um, DMT? Is it, you know, there's um, Jopal is another medicine, um, you know, Hape, there's so many. Um, And, you know, I didn't have that choice. (laughs) I'm very much like head first dive in and find out later kind of person and so now i realize what i like and what i don't like um and yeah i would say start gentle i did not do that and i and and now i see people practicing and they're like oh yeah we start very gentle with our people and i'm like you do cuz <laughs> i didn't have that experience um, so whatever you choose, start gentle. Um, I, I super love microdosing, I think that is a beautiful way to start because it, 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 like primes your senses and your mind, and you know, your heart and your spirit and your soul to receive this medicine. Um, I have microdosed with psilocybin, I've microdosed with ayahuasca, um, and I love both. Um, uh, I what I what I find harsh for me is the snuff, which is um pop-ay. A lot of people love it. My energetic body is just really sensitive. I it doesn't take a lot of anything for me to have an experience. Um and so uh this if you don't like um you know how tobacco can feel, tobacco is a sacred medicine, I just want to say it is a sacred, beautiful medicine that a lot of people benefit from. For me personally, it's just a little too, um, jarring for my system. Um, mm-hmm. it makes me feel very much out of my body. Um, and I like to be in my body. I feel, you know, I, a lot of the work that I do as a spiritual mentor, spiritual development coach, intuitive life coach, healer, um, is is coming from that perspective of embodiment, right? We all came here. We chose to be in these bodies. We're not trying to get out of them. We're trying to discover how to work with our energetic body within this body, um, and so that is embodiment for me. And so I very much work from that perspective. And so tobacco medicine just feels very jarring for me. It takes me out of my body pretty quickly. Um, and Jopo, same thing. Um, this is like a, um, a, a, a seed and it's um, roasted and then grinded. And it's DMT in a very um, primal form. It's also a snuff. And um, that was very jarring for me too. Um, it, if you've never, If you're not able and if you don't have an awareness that there is a veil between this world and the next experiencing that very quickly can be jarring for you. And so, um, that's what Jopal does to me. That's what Hape does for me. And so both of those medicines, um, just like stripped away this world really fast. And I was in this vast otherworldly experience with no body. And I couldn't locate myself in this plane because, um, I was, you know, the, the, I that I identify with, right. My body, my name, who I am, what I do, all of that was gone. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it was like an ego death in a minute and, you know, yeah. And so if you're not okay with that, if you're not sure how to navigate that, you can have, you know, a, a psychotic episode. And so, you know, um, A medicine that I really like with ayahuasca, there's different forms and cielo is a form of ayahuasca that's very calm and very beautiful. Um, It's very much just like, you know, everything is heightened. The, The sky is beautiful and you can hear the wind speaking to you. And so that's kind of what I recommend for folks just beginning. And then working with a practitioner that you feel safe and comfortable with working with the practitioner who has practiced their lineage for a while, um, knowing where their lineage comes from, because this is all, you know, South American, um, medicine. So is it Peruvian? Is it Colombian? Is it, you know, there's so many different, um, uh, ways and and spaces that this medicine is practiced in. And so knowing that is important, Um, and then allowing your, allowing you yourself to be seen and your boundaries to be respected. So working with somebody who is going to honor you by asking like, how much medicine would you like to drink as opposed to giving you like, you know, I don't know, a half a coconut full of medicine and you're just like downing it. Um, I'm not ready for that. I would like to start slow and you work your way up. Um, and then somebody who is offering you space to, when they offer a second and third serving for, excuse me, for you to say, I don't think I want a second serving this, this time, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's just allowing your body to acclimate to the medicine. <clears throat> and our body does have receptors for DMT, for psilocybin, for ayahuasca. So these are medicines that our body is, um, uh, able to assimilate because these are all medicines that our body has receptors for. Um, but the, the big reason why I love working with this medicine is because it's like, it's like having in one weekend or in one month, if you sit every weekend, it's like you're building new. And this is scientifically proven. You're building new neurological pathways in this medicine And so the work that you can get done in talk therapy on a couch over 10 years, you can do in a month, in a weekend. And yes, that is intensive work. Um, And so that's why it's important to work with practitioners who unpack with you. Um, You know, they check in, you know, after the ceremony, they do a circle where everybody shares. A week after they check in with you. How are you doing? How are you integrating? Um, you know, somebody who's willing to take the time to do that. And not all practitioners do.
0: Mm -hmm. That makes me think about the integration process. And I feel like that's something people talk about a lot with plant medicine. And I think about that even not just with plant medicine, but like if I'm getting like a tarot reading and a tarot reading and a tarot, but I don't actually integrate any of that information, like it's actually not even helpful and I don't need to get another reading. I need to like do something with what I already have. Um, Yeah. So I'm curious if you have anything to share about integration processes with plant medicine or just in general with spiritual practice.
1: Yeah, I do. And so I'm a tarot card reader and I've been reading tarot since i was 15 that's one of the offerings that um that i work with um with people through um tarot and and yeah that's why for me uh, my i love the marriage of you know uh mental health counseling and spirituality and i use that in everything that i do so when you're sitting with me to do a tarot card reading it's more like a therapy session because I don't want to give anybody a quick fix to anything I want, let's, let's dive deeper. Let's see what this is, you know, what this is bringing up, you know, bigger picture. Um, And because I, my goal is to empower people to really dive in. And so, you know, with my tarot card readings, part of it is integration. Mm -hmm. um, So that I'm not leaving the person you know with this here i've just dumped all this information on you it's life changing good luck goodbye you know now go see your therapist um i work with folks in an uh, integrative way to offer that to folks to like let's start the integration now and then um i, I you know i'm i'm an intuitive channeled um i offer intuitive channel guidance as an intuitive and as a channel and a guide and so i'm opening myself up to to, to, um, download and to offer anything that I'm seeing will be helpful afterwards. So, you know, uh, I might say something like drink lots of water after this reading, or you're, you need to rest, you're depleted, go to bed earlier. Um, I might say, you know, um, you know, add lemon to your water or, Um, eat lighter this week, Um, broths, you know, things that are going to nourish your gut. Um, You know, I might say you need to, um, I don't know, visit your grandmother or, right. And so offering that message along with um, the tarot card reading, I think is responsible um, Mm -hmm. because it's, it's a way to kind of writing a prescription, right? You're like writing a prescription and you're saying, okay, you've been, we just did this journey together. Now go home and do this. And I kind of hand them a prescription at the end of the reading. And so it's going to help with the integration, um, in, in a way that, um, is important, I think for folks, because, um, yeah, the medicine, at least that I offer is, is pretty big. And, and so it's not just like, oh, you're getting a new car. Um, <laughs> no, it's like, it's typically like life changing. Like you don't like what you're doing in life. You're trying to find your purpose. You're exiting the matrix in this way. Um, and that's life changing for people, right? We need to be able to mourn that. We need to be able to give ourselves permission to have space and be uncomfortable in the unknowing, right in the in the unknown in the not knowing in the I don't know and and be be okay there, not ask any other questions, but just be okay in that space of not knowing,
0: yeah, and it's incredibly difficult. What you're saying about integration is making me think about when I went on a retreat a couple of years ago with Asia Dasher. I don't know if you know her, but yeah, she's amazing um and one of the things that she did is after we did like readings with any of the practitioners she had someone there who i think was a yoga therapist or a somatics somebody um who helped us like stretch individually to like integrate the messages through the body. And that was so helpful. And the other thing that happened in that retreat was there was so much space. And I feel like a lot on retreats, it's like, you do this and then you do this. And then you do this. And that one was like, hours that would stretch between things to like take a walk and sleep and journal. And I just really loved how that was built into it too. So that reminds me of what you're saying, how you kind of structure your work too.
1: Yeah. I love that. I love that, Mm -hmm. you know, making space to just be and, you know, allowing, you know, I see it as like Tetris, you know, like spiritual Tetris, like (laughs) allowing the downloads and the frequency shifts to kind of like, find their way into your body and also with the information that's already housed there. Right. It's, it's um, it's like going into an attic, you know, turning on the light, dusting off the boxes, opening them, and then saying, I don't need this anymore. I'm going to release that. Um, this I need, but it's not going to live here anymore. It's going to live in a different space inside mm-hmm. of me. And, um, and so really just kind of like, you know, repurposing and rehousing, pieces of you after you have these experiences. Um, Tarot isn't just this, um, you know, tool for fun. You know, these are powerful tools and, and, you know, to, to use them responsibly I think is important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think so much of what you're saying throughout this whole conversation feels like it's about these cycles of transformation and death and rebirth and, those cycles happen all the time, but also it feels really present as we're in fall and we're in like a death collective season that feels really resonant as we're talking. And I'm just wondering if there's anything you want to offer people around going through cycles of death and rebirth. And when you receive a reading like that and you're like, wow, something in my life really huge needs to change like what you do.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, you bring up the seasons and I would just like to say that like as much as we can honor the seasons, live within the seasons, you know, whether that's through the food that you eat or honoring your body's need to, you know, change cycles and rest more, go to sleep early, um, wake up early, um, taking naps throughout the day. However, your schedule can permit you to work less, um, and and you know, fall is the season of the ancestors. So this is the ancestral New Year time where we are really looking at what worked over this last year um, and and you know what didn't, and allowing to fall away what doesn't work, just like the leaves fall off of the trees, and then getting ready with that nugget of what did work to go into the cosmic womb of winter. And, and have that as your, you know, your seeds, your nuggets that you're um, kind of stoy- stowing away for the winter. And that's going to be kind of your meditative state. And then, you know, birthing into the new in spring for astrologers like myself, that is the new year, right? Um, Aries season, it starts, you know, the first house of the astrological wheel, the zodiac sign. And so you know, honoring the seasons and going through, um, shifts like that. And then when it comes to, you know, the death and rebirth process in life, I think what is most important is to not rush. When you feel that coming on, I think a lot of people, because of the society we live in, is like, oh my God, I have to hurry up and rush and get to the other side. I need to, because now you're in this undefined space. It's like a baby in a womb. You're neither here nor there. You're not in this world or you know or the, the other world, right? You're somewhere in the in-between. And that is uncomfortable because so much in our world needs to be defined. And what I would like to invite people to do is stretch the space of the unknown, of the undefined, Mm -hmm. You know, um, live in that space for a little bit, get uncomfortable. Um, and, and yeah, it's going to make you cry and it's going to make you question things and it's going to allow space for mourning and being okay to mourn the loss of what was because that is okay. You were there, it was comfortable and that comfortability, uh, all of us humans experience, we all want it. Um, but the only constant in life is change, is the death and the rebirth, is the phoenix rising from the ashes. And so to make space for that to birth in a time that and in a, and in a way that makes sense for your individual and unique process, I think is so
0: important. Yeah, I think something, too, is that like when we don't allow or I'll speak for myself, when I have resisted the process of death I have made myself so sick and so miserable, and it's that kind of miserable and pain that does not go away until I let go and let whatever needs to die, die. And I can hold on for years and I can be miserable and afraid and resisting for years. And yeah, I have, but it does not go away until I let go. And that is so hard.
1: (laughs) It really is. It really is. And I've been there myself. I mean, I developed an autoimmune disease that way because I was going so against who I was, my purpose, who I'm here to be, what I'm here to offer. I was going so far out of that space that it can cause dis-ease in the body. And, um, and so now just knowing who I am, having increased self-awareness, and mindfulness and living in a way that makes sense for, for myself is important. Um, and yeah, it's like when you said, you know, I could live with what needs to die for so long. Yes. And also it's like sepsis. It's like, you know, uh, gangrene, green, right? It's mm-hmm. how much do you need to like chop off? Do you wait till it gets all the way up to your knee or do you just, do the thing right and chop off the foot instead of the whole leg or the knee or right and so yeah it's just so valuable to like um and in those spaces getting help if you don't feel like you can handle this shift on your own talk to friends that that really can hold your dignity and really see you this is a very tender time and so sharing it with everybody is not the move to do and then the other thing is um you know, if, you're, if your community isn't enough and your family isn't enough, or if they are not supportive, finding a practitioner you can work with, you know, whether that be a therapist, a life coach, a mentor, um, you know, but being able to work with somebody who can hold space for what it is that you're experiencing, I think is so important.
0: Yeah. I think for me, it's been all of those things. Like I've needed my friends and the people in my life and I've needed spiritual practitioners and I need my therapist. I need like all a collection of all these people to support because it really is hard to transform. And there's a lot of grief that goes through those processes and I, I can't hold it on my own. So yeah, I need help. For sure. It takes a village Mm -hmm.
1: village. Yeah. I
0: think so. and you mentioned ancestors too and as the season of the ancestors and that's something I wanted to ask you about as well so I'm curious about what working with your ancestors is like maybe and any thoughts you have about healing our lineages
1: yeah I mean you know healing generational trauma um that work is so heavily done through our ancestors, at least for me and in my, um, interpretation of this work. Um, because so I have an ancestor altar that I work with and I, and I work with my ancestors and, um, yeah, it's, it's very similar to, you know, me having privileges and experiences that my, Ancestors were not um, allotted. They didn't have. And so through my healing of being able to grow in ways and in spaces that they could not, I'm healing them. And the way to do that with intention is by honoring that experience and then speaking to them and saying, grandma, great grandma, you know, grandpa, whoever, auntie, auntie, you know, four times over, um, I remember stories, hearing stories of you and, um, and how you weren't allowed to, you know, um, buy from this market or travel to this place. And, um, and I want you to know that I'm here and I'm doing it for you and I'm traveling to this space and this, or I'm, I'm, you know, purchasing from this market, or I am able to use my voice or I am saying no to abusive relationships. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a domino effect. And, um, and now I've put to rest that trauma, that experience, that trigger, not just for me, it's, it's like being at a crossroads because it's not just for me, it's for mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, the generation in front of me and the generation behind me and then the spirit world. Right. Um, to the left and the right of me. And so there's, there's this um, it's like a swirl of energy that happens where healing takes place. And, and then, you know, to bring science into it, because I love the marriage of the two. It's so beautiful because, you know, we're talking about shifting our microbiome. We're Mm -hmm. talking about um, uh, ancestral lineage healing in a way that um, informs our DNA. Um, so, you know, your microbiome, when a baby comes out, it is coded, you know, vaginal birth when, when it comes out of the vaginal canal, it's coded in this mucosa and the mucosa contains, um, information and it turns off and on certain DNA strands. And, um, and so it's not just about nurture versus, you know, nature versus nurture or nurture versus, um, uh, nature. It's about, uh, you know, the the microbiome and how the biology of the person interacts with the environment and the experiences, right. And, um, what they are predisposed to as far as DNA is concerned. Right. And so we have, you know, um, autonomy, we have, uh, I call it sovereignty, sacred sovereignty over our experiences and we get to choose. Um, but we have to know that right. We have to be empowered in knowing that. And then we have to, you know, go through our healing process and each generation gets a little bit better. And then we honor the generations who did the work before us. So yeah, ancestry, ancestry work is ancestor veneration is so important to me. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a responsibility, I think, Mm-hmm. Um, that we all have to honor those who came before us and to work with our whole ancestors, which is seven generations back, or our healed ancestors, which are those who um, have received the light. and that just simply means, you know, um, if, if they've transgressed in their life and they've done some things, right that they have gone through the healing process to um, to know that they are pure light, And that, that was an experience that they have, you know, forgiven themselves and others have forgiven them for, and that they can move forward and and pass that.
0: I'm curious, how do you, (laughs) this question might be like too esoteric, but how do you think that happens? Like, do you, how do you think our ancestors get to that place for the ones that do?
1: Yeah. Um, it's a choice. It's definitely a choice that it's like, it's an actual choice. So I see it as, you know, um, yeah. So it's like, if you can imagine us sitting here yourself and myself, um, as just bodies of light and we're talking, you know, through, um, telepathy, right. Mm Um, Instead of words, and we don't have these bodies and you know our hair and the clothing and all of that, right? If we're having this conversation and um, and in that same way, we're choosing to have this conversation, we're consenting to be here in this space together and share. It's similar to that. It's just it's, you know being able to choose, right? For them, it's a choice. It's a choice of their consciousness. Um, of their energy body to, um, express differently. It's almost like, um, you know, like these paintings that like, if you look at them one way, it's one thing. If you look at them another way, it's another thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's just shifting, you know, um, uh, expressions, right. Um, and, and being offered the space and the permission to do so. Um, and forgiveness is a huge thing, right? Um, they have to choose to forgive themselves, and whoever was, um, you know, they transgressed against, has has to choose to forgive. And forgiveness doesn't mean that it didn't happen. I'm not spiritually bypassing in any way, shape, or form to say, oh, you're dead, you're an ancestor now, you're fine. That is so not true, because there's a lot of my ancestors that I don't work with because of that, right? Um, it's it's not to say that everything is fine it's to say that we're choosing to be done with it we're choosing not to mm-hmm. carry it and and or to carry it in a way that is more um informing our, the, our evolution and into integration process with it
0: yeah thank you so much for sharing that yeah as we're talking about ancestors and these Transformational processes. It's making me want to ask you about being a mother. Um, because yeah. you have five kids, right? I'm I have, I have six. <laughs> you have six kids. <laughs> How has being a mother like changed you and taken you through oh that gosh. process and your spiritual practice too?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So my this is this is like classic expression expression of Jupiter and cancer cancer is like the divine mother of the Zodiac and (laughs) Jupiter expands anything it touches. So I'm like, so they're like, yeah, you're, you're going to mother lots of people. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I was a teen mom and having, so having children, it's funny, all my kids kind of like, are in groupings and pairings and they have different, um, they have different experiences of me. Right. So there was like Reja when she was 17 to 23, I had three boys, um, who are, uh, 25, 23 and 20 and, or 21, sorry. And they have this expression of me as this angry, sad, young mother who was misunderstood and I yelled a lot and I was, you know, trying to figure out life and how to make money and how to support these children. And I had these spiritual gifts, but, and I did, you know, hold sister circles and I did new moon and full moon, um, you know, uh, circles, but these were on like a very surf surface level. It wasn't something that I had fully embodied. And so they had these practices and they knew that mom did these things, but much of our life was stressful. I was, you know, trying to figure things out to stay afloat. And then I have my two teenagers who are 18 and 16, and they have this experience of mom as you know, a nurse and I had the money and I had the the capability of sending them to better schools. And we lived in a house and we had a car and, you know, I didn't have to take the bus and, you know, so more stability and, and beginning to unpack my anger Mm -hmm. and beginning to unpack my heartache and, um, working with plant medicine. And I've sat with two of my children in plant set ceremonies, plant medicine ceremonies. And, you know, um, so they got to see my evolution in in like real time in such a way, um, that just was like a breaking down and a rebuilding. And so they got to see that. And then my little baby who's, um, she'll be four months on the 13th you know, I, yeah, she has gotten like the evolved mother, right. Experience where, um, I've drank medicine with her in my belly. She's been with me, you know, um, now that she's out of my belly, she's like with me in plant ceremonies and plant medicine ceremonies. And I microdose with, um, psilocybin and she gets to have that through breast milk. And, um, yeah, so it's been such an evolutionary process with my children, And they're all super amazing, unique people with all of these like rich experiences of their own. And it's just like very humbling to watch. Um, And I would say the biggest thing that my children have given me is patience because Mm. I didn't have that. And they taught me patience and they taught me humility. Um, And they taught me how to parent from a place of Um, sharing as opposed to to like this top-down hierarchy that so much of our society offers because of, you know, colonialism and patriarchy and things like that. I've had to rework, you know, like we're doing this together. It's not just me, the mom, and you, the little child, but like, what do we want this to look like? And sharing in that together, which has been, you know, a monumental experience for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking like one of the things that I think my parents taught me through what they said and also through their life was that change is bad and changing is bad and staying the same is good. And like, what a gift for your kids to learn from seeing your evolution, that changing is beautiful and it's part of life and evolving and growing is a thing to orient towards. That's like, so gorgeous. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it it was all totally on accident. Just so you know, <laughs> I'm not like I'm not like this like evolved parent. You know, I'm I'm evolving as a human, yeah. and you know, and and they you know got to see that change. I, I accept you no matter what stage of life you're in, and also they got to see me in my change, which was messy, and they got to. See you know, say like, wow, change is hard, change is beautiful, changes a lot of different things. You know, it's not just like this. And, and mom is that di- multi-dimensional. I'm not this like flat dimensional, like she's a mom and that's it. Like I have all these other facets and pieces to me that, um, that they get to see and they get to say, you know, I don't really like this part of you. <laughs> and I, I, and, and then they'll, and then they'll have an experience. And then six months later, they'll come back to me and say, you know what? I may not like that part of you, but I respect it because now I've gone through some things that have taught me, mm-hmm. you know, to see all of you and 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 not really be comfortable with all of it, but be respectful and loving and kind to all of it.
0: Yeah, that's really lovely. I'm like, I've been feeling so inspired by hearing about. The ways that people parent and seeing like some of the people in my life parent now as I've been going through stuff with my family and I'm also having a little bit of baby fever. So it's been like really lovely um to hear you share about that and to see these other people in my life parenting too. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's such a journey, man. I'm telling you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, I want to ask you the last question that I always ask on this show, which is just because the name of the podcast is Living Open. What does living open mean to you?
1: Living open means to me um, embracing all of who you are and not having an ounce of shame about it. And um, and when you come up against those spaces where somebody doesn't receive all of you, that's Okay. I'm not for everybody and I know that and 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 I'm living openly and that doesn't mean you have to receive me and or I have to receive you right healthy boundaries are a beautiful thing and also I'm going to continue living in my truth and and in my fullness and who I am and um and I don't want to have any you know guilt or shame or sadness or fear or worry around that you know and I think you know just to end that's what new earth you know the age of aquarius is about is is inclusivity making space for everybody to have what it is they need to live a more authentic experience
0: yes can you tell everyone where they can find you and connect with you online and work with you
1: yeah so www.mysticalhealing.guide is my website so not .com or .net but .guide And the same name um, at mysticalhealing.guide is my Instagram handle.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing. And also just like your presence and energy feels really lovely to be in. I hope people can feel that who obviously aren't in this conversation, but are just listening later because I really feel it.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. It was lovely. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, I look forward to all the things that you have to offer in the world as well
0: thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much, and it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it, and stay in touch on instagram at erynj underscore or patreon until then